kids, get the popcorn out. Welcome to Stuff to Watch, the podcast that takes the stress out of streaming. I'm James Crute, and in just 10 minutes, I'll help you make the most of your viewing. My guests this week are Bridget Jones. Hello. And Darren Bevan. Guys, I've been stuck in here since last week and someone locked the door. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find a way at some stage, Darren. Let's start this week with a special look at school holiday viewing. Darren, Captain Underpants on Prime Video. You know what's coming, don't you? Tra-la-la! I love this film. Madcap, irreverent, poop jokes, fart jokes, everything any kid of any age would need. And it's really much funnier and better than it ever has any right to be. Captain Underpants, you can't actually fly! I take to the sky like an ostrich! What about Red Dog on Netflix, that great Aussie Outback flick? Yeah, I think you'll find I was ugly crying watching this one because it's such a sweet little story. If you like The Littlest Hobo, a bit of charm and a bit of Aussie ockerism here and there, you'll be all good with that one. Speaking of ugly crying, Watership Down. Uh, it's currently on Netflix and Prime Video, but it is going to have special screenings on Whakata Māori uh, tomorrow night, Saturday. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm still too traumatised by the original animation and I found out today... 63 rabbits die in 91 minutes in this film. 63 rabbits! So, yeah, just go in with a bit of caution and enjoy the film that scarred us all for life. If the weather is really bad or you're having to isolate for a few days, there are a couple of quadrilogies on Neon. Hunger Games, what's your opinion of those flicks? I really did like the first few Hunger Games films and then they split that last one, carrying on that awful trend of having two parts of finals of films. But, I mean, it's a really good series that's really well acted and shows Jennifer Lawrence at her very best and is really about dealing with peer pressure, which I think is possibly something that all kids and adults uh, deal with from day to day. Uh, And also on the varying quality front, the original Batman quadrilogy, everything from Michael Keaton to George Clooney with nipples. If we didn't have the horrendous puns, the horrific uh, nipples on suits and those really bad day-glow outings, we wouldn't have had the darker Pattinsons, we wouldn't have had the darker Bales, and the Batman series wouldn't have been like it is. So I think they're much underappreciated. Oh, look, Michael Keaton is still the best Batman for me. Darren, any recommendations that weren't on my list? I think you might do well to check out Man vs. B, which Netflix will have you believe is a nine-part series of ten minutes long. But you know what? If it runs together, it's 90 minutes, which makes it a film. The thing is, though, if you've seen Mr. Bean, you know what to expect with this. Rowan Atkinson's acting, which is easy for you to say, is just something that looks like rubber gone a bit mad, and he's still doing the same stuff he was doing maybe 20, 30 years ago. But hey, it worked for John Wayne, and it certainly worked for you, James. Bridget, any thoughts? This is not a new release, but I did spend a raging Saturday night re-watching Looking for Alibrandi, which is screening on Netflix. It's a beautiful coming-of-age drama from Australia, Came out when I was 16, she was 16. There were butterfly clips all over the show. It's love, it's friendship, it's parenting, it's great. Watch it now with your teenagers. So while the school holidays contest many parents, things are much tougher for the adults and the midwitch cuckoos. Mummy, what have you done? Bridget, you've been watching this latest version of John Wyndham's classic sci-fi book? This series is so weird and so disturbing. It's a small, dull English town that changes completely overnight when a 12-hour blackout hits the town, knocking everyone out cold, and then when it's all over, all the women are pregnant. It's as weird as it sounds. The kids who eventually arrive a few months later uh, turn out to be a group of creeps that cause all sorts of nightmares and danger for the people that are stuck raising them. It's 
a relatively pedestrian take on the story, but it's easily watchable. Um, Kelly Hawes, who plays the therapist in this version of it, is brilliant as per usual. And the rest of the characters, are, they're, they're fine, but they're a little light. The thing that I took away from the show, though, was where do they find such creepy child actors? Honestly, these children will fill my nightmares for weeks. I kind of like this show in a weird way, but I found it a little bit too drawn out. I've watched the first episode and 20 minutes into episode two, at which point I thought, I need to go and get some sleep here because this doesn't seem to be going anywhere fast. And the great thing about episode one is just how many nightmarish scenes there are, how many weird ways of looking at bucolic England there can be. And there is one genuinely shocking moment in it towards the end. We're off to the cinemas now for a Marvel movie that may well have been released to coincide with the school holidays. It's the Taika Waititi-directed Thor, Love and Thunder. Let me tell you the story of the space viking. Darren. Yep, this is the latest Thor film. It's the fourth one in the Thor franchise. You try saying that after a few drinks. And it basically sees Chris Hemsworth's Thor in a bit of a midlife crisis, trying to work out what to do next after Avengers Endgame and just kind of rattling around with the Guardians of the Galaxy as they do their thing. But Thor's desire to kick back and enjoy retirement as such is rudely interrupted when Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcherer shows up, threatening to kill everyone in Asgard and everyone he loves. So, of course, he's coaxed out of retirement and into maybe trying to save the day once again. It's very much a Taika joint. It's clearly obvious from the moment it starts with a very interesting dark, cold open uh, before a guitar solo (laughs) kicks in to make the Marvel Studios music that this is a Thor film and it's also a Taika film. It's that mix of humour that you saw in 2017's Thor Ragnarok all over again and it works largely but it does start to feel a bit strained. Christian Bale is fantastic as this slithery slimy gore who's utterly terrifying and saw some in the audience kind of holding coats over their heads and frightened. Hemsworth is great at the comedy, it's funny. Natalie Portman feels a little bit sidelined in truth as Lady Thor and Taika Waititi is really the star of this, uh, not just behind the cameras but also in front as Korg kind of steals the show that rock god that he's done all in all it's a fairly enjoyable knockabout kind of film but I do start to wonder whether Taika Waititi's pushed Thor as far as it can go this time around we know that he loves to put little slices of Kiwiana in his Hollywood tales old Taika certainly the big thing for Taika's take on Thor Love and Thunder is the massive reference to the Maori god of war Tumato Anger, who appears a couple of times in a sequence where Thor and his mates end up in a council of the various different kind of gods and the cameras linger on her repeatedly the audience particularly that I saw it would there was a little cheer and ruffle that erupted when they saw this out there so that's great to see Taika not giving up on his individual quest really for representation of the Maori way of life across the screens back to the grown-up stuff and life after life We talked about time loop extravaganza, the Lazarus Project last week. This, appropriate enough, feels like history repeating itself. Bridget, you loved Lazarus, but what about this one? Life After Life is screening now on TVNZ+. It's a bit of a tear-jerky kind of take on the time loop. Thing. Ursula, who is played by our very own Thomas and McKenzie, who is a superstar in the making, <laughs> is born time and time again in 1910. Or, in other words, she keeps dying, um, thus the tearjerker. Each time she's reborn, she lives her life a little bit differently, and each time she gets to live a little bit longer. It's not that she knows what's happening to her, but she has the sort of imprint of a memory of things to avoid or things to change. 
They're the two best words in the English language when you put them together. What if? It's in four parts. The first episode does feel a little bit like you are watching a young child die over and over and over again. So please keep that in mind. If that is not your vibe, steer clear because it it is actually quite a lot of trauma. Thomas and Mackenzie is really great. She's not in the first episode very much. Um, obviously, she plays the older version of Ursula. But when she does show up, she's excellent. Um, Sean Clifford, who was from Fleabag, is brilliant as her mother. It's an interesting show, a real sort of pull on the heartstrings number. My wife and I debated for quite a while about whether the, the time loop or the, you know, going back to the beginning of her life thing worked because it was really hard to understand initially how it all works and, and whether she was aware. But it was actually quite clever because I think the older she got or the further she progressed in life before having to go back to the start, the more she was aware of what was happening, which I guess cognitively sort of works. Maybe with my classic cut, we should lift things just a little. This week I've chosen You've Got Mail, which is on Netflix just for another week before it disappears back into the ether. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've You've Got got Mail. Look, I love this rom-com. It's a, a film that my wife and I watch regularly when we can, mainly because of an infamous incident when I once took her to see Mulholland Drive at the film festival and she emerged completely confused and thinking all was terrible and surreal with the world. We watched an hour of You've Got Mail and everything was back right. It's Tom Hanks, it's Meg Ryan. It might not have the one-liners of Sleepless in Seattle. It might not have the memorable dialogue, but in terms of the screwball comedy and chemistry between the two this is hard to beat i also love this film it is one of my favorites and it's funny that you say that you and your wife watch this my husband and i also enjoy watching this together i don't think you get a better pairing on screen than meg ryan in her prime and tom hanks i don't remember this film (laughs) what i don't remember anything about it i haven't watched the trailer briefly earlier all I remember is the horrendous dial-up noise. This is just seems to me one of those cookie-cutter rom-coms that just was thrown out all over the place in the 90s and made big box office hits, but they were too sweet for my taste. No, this is the point with this one, is that it's not sickly sweet. They hate each other in like a really fun way, obviously. it's a I hate them already. No, it's really good, Darren. I'm gonna, you have to go and watch this this weekend. Promise me. No. I give up. Let's recap our recommendations for today. We had our school holiday roundup. You can take what you want from that. The Midwich Cuckoos on Neon. Thor, Love and Thunder in cinemas now. Life After Life on TVNZ+. And my classic cut, You've Got Mail, on Netflix until July 14. We're done for another week. I hope we've helped find some school holiday viewing. We're back next Friday. In the meantime, subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in any Stuff to Watch story on stuff.co.nz and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to my guests, Bridget Jones. See you later. And Darren Bevan. You will not make me watch You've Got Mail. I will fight it until my dying day. And to producer Chris Reed. I'm James Crute, and I've been finding you stuff to watch. Tra-la-la!